0: Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. Well, good evening, everyone. As you're aware, we are continuing in our series from 1 Samuel. Now, as I was preparing this uh, sermon for tonight, the, the thought came to my mind of a prayer meeting. Who has ever been in a prayer meeting where you just hear someone pray and you just sit there and you're like, yo, this guy is so blessed. Oh, this girl is so blessed. You sit there and you listen to them pray and you're like, yo. I'm sure this person knows Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You sit there and like, no, man, this person has had, has had coffee with the apostles. This person might even be a Puritan. You listen to them and think, yo, oh, this person has a deep and an intimate relationship with God because you hear in their prayers, their prayers are both deep in their intimacy and they're also deep in their doctrine. Have you ever had that experience? Tonight, we have the opportunity of, of almost peeping into the prayers of a believing woman. And again, as I was preparing, I was thinking that over the years, I've, I've had the opportunity to watch children put their parents in awkward positions. For example, either you'll see a child go to another parent who is feeding her children, and you see this child beg for candy and a snack and even start crying and yelling. But when they receive the snack from this other parent, the child does not say thank you. Or you see a child who's, or your child starts fighting with another child for a toy and falls dramatically to the ground after being brushed. You heard me correctly. Brushed by a finger on their head. You would swear there's blood. Now, parents have the awkward responsibility of going to this one child and saying, apologize to him, say sorry and make up. But it's not always as easy as it seems. Parents in this situation find that it is as hard as drawing water from a rock to get the child to say sorry to another child. And you then realize it's only at that moment that your child finds their inside voice sorry what's the problem here well often children are convinced that firstly they don't need to say thank you to adults because as an an adult it is your responsibility to produce nice things so why am i saying thank you when that's why you exist or why should i say sorry when it's not my fault parents have you heard that but i didn't do it he did it or she did it Oh, why should I say sorry when really I just don't want to make up? Could this be the problem with our prayers? Are we conv- are we not convinced about God? So we are not growing in our devotion, and so our prayers remain shallow. Could it be that we do not believe that He will hear us and answer our prayers? Or, or could it just be that our lenses to our worldview have been tainted by the world? Maybe like those children, we, we believe that God owes it to us to do good. So, so why say thank you when He's simply doing what He must do? Tonight, we sneak a peek into the prayer journal of what I've called a believing and devoted woman. Tonight we're in verse 21 of chapter 1. First Samuel chapter 1 verse 21 reads, The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him. So that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and to dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with three with a three year old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. Verse twenty six. And she said, O oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in the presence, in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Chapter 2 and verse 1. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord, my, my horn is exalted in the Lord, my mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, there is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full, those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, and, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and He exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap and to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. Verse 9, he will guard the feet of his faithful ones. But the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king. And exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Alkana went home to Ramah, and the boy was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, the priest. And so, God, tonight as we come to the preaching of your word, we pray that you would first just bless the word that I've just read. I pray, Lord, that you would use me as a vessel of truth. I pray, Lord, that you would protect my heart from my own sin. Forgive me, Lord, for where I have sinned or if I have any hidden agendas in this preaching of your text. Help me, Lord, to only speak that which you have prepared in my heart. And so, God, I pray for those who are listening that, Lord, this will be a word in season. That, God, you would challenge them with the truths of your word and help them to see you afresh. My God, I pray that tonight we would would behold our God as you reveal yourself in the scriptures. And, Lord, may we leave this place, Lord, with much joy. May we leave this place wanting to exalt you because, God, you indeed are worthy to be praised. So help us tonight. May your spirit work among us, we pray and we plead. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight I want us to first examine the heart of an obedient mom. The heart of an obedient mom. We first see her heart in her absence at, Sh- at Shiloh. Hannah, absent at Shiloh. See verse 21. The man Alkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up. For she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. We saw last week and we read earlier in chapter 1 that Elkanah would gather his household to go and to offer to the Lord at Shiloh. They would go year after year to the house of God, which was the tabernacle, and they would go together to go worship God there. But now we read in in verse 21 that Hannah pulls out from this year's trip. She chooses to stay and wean the boy before she would send him out to minister before the Lord. So the question is, what changed? Why did she stay? Why did she not take him along with her on the trip? Has she maybe lost the fire that she had to go and worship? Has she maybe uh, uh, turned on God because she's now received what she's wanted? She prayed for the child. God gave her the child. Now there's no reason for her to go to Shiloh. Well, we know those aren't the reasons. See, it was, it was expected that it was the man who was to go to worship. It was the head of the home to be the one who attended the feasts and offered sacrifices. In Exodus chapter 23, verse, nine, verse 17, it says, three times... In the year, all your males shall appear before the Lord God. But what we saw in Elkanah's home was a family that was devoted in worshiping God together. The devotion of the man and his household was seen in that everyone in the house got up, made the journey to Shiloh to worship God together. So what what can we see about Hannah's absence this time around? Well, her responsibilities have changed. Hannah saw it as her responsibility to God to wean Samuel until he was at the point where he could live in the house of God independent of his mother. Samuel needed his mother like we all did. Samuel needed to be nurtured by her. He needed to latch to her breast. He needed to, to have her fulfill her God-givenly motherly responsibility. He needed the care that only she could give by natural design. There's something there. Last week, I, I, I punted a little bit the, 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 the character of Elkanah as the father. Are painted to us that he gave us a good example of good spiritual leadership for a husband and for a father. And, and then we spoke about the need for fathers in the home who will lead their children in the ways and in the instructions of the Lord. But now we see Hannah. Hannah is showing us good spiritual motherhood, what good spiritual motherhood looks like. We need mothers in the home We need both parents in the home who are living in the fear of the Lord. We need more women who are not caught up in the latest trends of fighting male leadership. We need more women who are not caught up in the trends of fighting to be men and cannot even define what is a woman. We need women who see the beauty of being naturally designed to birth and nurture children. No man can ever do that. This is what God has designed and designated to her to nurture and to care for her children and for her home. Look at verse 23. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Alkana's response is golden. Only may the Lord establish his word. Her absence at Shiloh was only that her obedience would bring about the establishment of the word of God in their home. What a family! They desired to see the house of to see the will of God established and accomplished in that in their home, and even more, they wanted to be found as active participants of that will of God in obedience. Hannah would fulfill two things when she would eventually take Samuel to the house of God. The first thing that she would fulfill is that she would fulfill her duties as a mother to her child. Secondly, she would fulfill her vow to God. Remember when she prayed in verse 11? If you will indeed look on the afflictions of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. For Samuel to fulfill this vow, he needed to be weaned by his mother. He needed to be of age where he would not need his mother's care and he would be able to stay in Shiloh and grow and serve the Lord under Eli. So then we see in verse 24, Hannah returned to Shiloh. And so as soon as Samuel was weaned, Hannah was back at Shiloh. I was so tempted to say, I come back. Look at verse 24. There was purpose in her absence, and that purpose was accomplished. Verse 24, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an effort of flour, a skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, Oh, my Lord, as you, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord had granted me my petition and that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he's lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. It almost seems as though Eli was at the same place. She finds Eli standing in, the, in a similar place that he was standing and watching when Hannah was praying. And remember, he, he assumed that Hannah was a drunken woman. And Hannah now comes back and says, Eli, it is me. It is me who you saw praying. It is me who you thought was one of the drunks in the city. It was me who you saw crying out before God. God has now answered my prayer. Consider me not a worthless woman. But verse 28, we see the word lent. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. The word lent there is not very helpful to us. Hannah actually repeats the same verb in these verses. And the verb basically is the word to ask. Hannah basically says, and the KJV translates it properly. It says, for this child I prayed, and Jehovah hath given me my asking, which I asked of him. And I also have given back what what was asked to Jehovah, as long as he liveth. He is asked for Jehovah. Hannah was simply giving back what she prayed for. what She prayed from the Lord, but as we saw last week, she did not pray for Samuel for herself, but she prayed that the Lord would bless her womb so that she could contribute to kingdom ministry in an age where the nation Israel was barren and and the nation Israel was in a state of moral and spiritual decay. So she would give Samuel back to the Lord, So that Samuel would serve the Lord all the days of his life. She keeps that vow to her heart's comfort and content. See verse 1 of chapter 2. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Next, I want us to see the prayer of an obedient and grateful woman. The prayer of an obedient and grateful woman. I can only imagine the difficulty it must have been for this the attachment that she might have grown with her child whom she has now weaned. But in obedience, she takes this child to the house of God that he may serve there all the days of his life. But we note from Hannah's prayer that it wasn't a tedious task. It wasn't a task that she did in complaining or grumbling. It was a task that she did with joy. Her heart, her core being, her wellspring of life, her heart exalted in God. She was joyous to the core. The joy of the Lord filled her inner being. Not only that, but she says, my horn exalts in the Lord. Her strength exalts in the Lord. You might ask, what strength does she have? She was ridiculed for years. She was barren for years. What strength does she have? Hannah in this prayer shows her that she understood that her strength came from God. She understood that it was the strength that God gives her graciously that she wants to now come back and say, it is that horn, that strength that I am now going to exalt in the Lord. We will later see in this prayer that God humbles the proud and He exalts the humble. He strengthens the weak and destroys the strong in their pride. So Hannah realized that she was low, but it's only God who brought her up. Interestingly, she says, my mouth derides. Again, a better translation says, my mouth is enlarged over my enemies. Hannah had a smile on her face from ear to ear. It was a smile that she couldn't wipe off. Hannah wasn't, she didn't have a smile because she was being smug. She didn't have a smile of na 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 to Panina. Penina. But she could smile at Penina who lived to ridicule her. She could open her mouth to worship the almighty God because she saw that it was the Lord who was in control of whether she would give life or whether she wouldn't. She understood that the Lord was her strength. She could open up her mouth and worship God. She didn't use her mouth to cuss Penina, but she used it to worship the Lord, for she knew that salvation belonged to the Lord her God. And so how many times do we find ourselves in similar positions where people have been ridiculing us for year and year and year and year and as soon as the lord blesses us instead of responding to him in praise we go back to everyone who ridiculed us and say yeah what you going to say now <laughs> that was not hannah's response you see it's important for us to understand that the the answer to hannah's prayer would bring an answer to israel's prayers Israel was barren. Israel was at the mercy of disobedient priests and disobedient judges. They were taunted day and night. They were ridiculed by their enemies because of their lack of leadership. Israel had rejected God as their leader, which left them vulnerable to constant attack, thus leaving them a nation with no peace. And so Hannah's answered prayer in, in so Hannah's answered prayer in Samuel who would be the prophet would mean that the Lord would once again be heard in the nation through a faithful priest. They would finally have a king on the throne who would come in the form of a humble and young king David, who would save Israel from her destruction. As Hannah's childhood signify the the dawning of a new king we read in Luke chapter 2 that Mary's child would signify the birth of the last king in Samuel Israel's prayers would be answered but in Jesus our prayers will be answered he will be the king who exalts the humble he will be the king who defeats the enemy who gives life to those who believe in him and so Hannah's prayer and Mary's prayer are very similar. They rejoice at the fact that Jehovah saves. He indeed is the Messiah King. Friends, it's important for us to note that Hannah's prayer basically outlines the whole book. From Hannah's prayer, we see the books outlining that, in that the Lord humbles the proud and He exalts the humble. We'll see this in David. We'll see this in Goliath. And we'll see this in Saul. He is sovereign over all. We'll see this in the appointment of David and his life and David's ministry. The Lord will raise a king. We'll see this in Jesus' coming who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Firstly, notice the Lord humbles the proud. See verse two of chapter two. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more very proudly, let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Hannah continues in her prayer by saying, The Lord is different. Our God is other than He is consecrated from the rest of creation. He is, as we know today, transcendent. There is no one like Him. There is no rock like Jehovah. There is no salvation in heaven and on earth but by the Lord Himself. And so watch yourself. Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and let Him be the one who lifts you up. So this is a prayer to Penina. Penina, speak no more to me in arrogance and in the pride of your heart to the nation Israel. Submit your ways again to God and and acknowledge him as the great God of your salvation. Do away with your pride and your arrogance to the enemies of Israel and the enemies of God. Taunt us no more. Speak no more of us in the foolishness of your pride. Church in 2023, put away all foolishness and pride, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and he will weigh all actions. Nothing misses the watchful eye of the Lord our God. The Lord is not like man who looks at the outside, but he examines the heart. Every good tree produces good fruit and every bad tree produces bad fruit. We can't play God for He knows and He sees all things. Convince us all you want, but you will never deceive Him. Be encouraged. Though the actions of the wicked are not immediately punished, our great God is still cognizant of them all. In due time, he will avenge. Hannah prays, the bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. So church, humble yourself before God. Though the mighty may stand for a season, their fall is coming, and it is sure and it will be devastating to those who are low. Those who have suffered greatly at the hands of the proud, at the hands of the wicked. The prayer of Hannah is a prayer that also we are to pray and say we are to bind on strength. Find your strength like Hannah did from the Lord and live. But also know, secondly, that the Lord is sovereign over all. See verse 5. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread. But those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and He exalts. He rises, <clears throat> he rises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. And on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. This whole part of Hannah's prayer is an acknowledgement that God is able to turn things around. It's an acknowledgement that God is able to reverse the fortunes of man. She says, The fool become hungry the barren are bearing children the lord does what he wills he kills and he brings to life he brings some to the grave whilst he raises others up he makes poor he makes rich he brings low he exalts he raises the poor and lifts the needy and and places them in seats of honor like princes may that be a sobering thought to you Do not be deceived, James would say. Every good gift comes from the Father of lights. There is nothing that you have, there is nothing that you don't have that God has not ordained or given or withheld. There is not a sphere of reality where the sovereignty of God has no reach. The Lord gives and takes away in accordance to his wise counsel and grace. So friends, it's foolish of us It's foolish of us to be arrogant about things that actually belong to God. See again, she says, For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them He has set the world. The psalmist David would later say, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell within. For He has founded it upon the the, the seas and established it upon the rivers." Stop taking credit for the Lord's work. Stop giving His due to chance or mere circumstance and worship Him as the sovereign. Friends, God is in control. Yield your life to Him. Cleanse your lenses to see Him as the one who is seated on the throne in control of all matters of your life. Who is the King of glory? the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Amen? Verse 9. This very same King of glory, this God who is sovereign, He will guard the feet of his faithful ones. But the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The faithful will always find favor in God. They will prevail not because of their own strength, but because of the strength of God that dwells within them. The wicked will perish they will perish in their attempts to stand by their own strength. They will perish in their attempts to live by their own wisdom, to, be, to govern themselves using the devil's rule book. They will perish in darkness. Though they think that they can see, they are blind and they reek of death. Friends, their end is destruction. But see verse 10. The Lord will raise a king. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, and the the boy was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli the priest. We can again draw similarities between the prayer of Hannah and the prayer of Mary. Mary's prayers had prophetic truths about the ministry of Jesus, and Hannah's prayer had prophetic realities of the coming Messiah. Hannah rejoiced for what she she was yet to see. She is rejoicing over the coming of the Messiah King, not just King David, but the one who is greater than him, the anointed king who would bring a great salvation. The blessed seed promised to bless the nations through Abraham. The seed promised to Adam. The deliverer promised to the judges. The spirit reveals through Hannah's prayer that the king is coming and this king will be King Jesus, who is the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. We also see that the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces Against them, he will thunder in heaven. When I read this, obviously with all the holiday club prep that is going on, I was thinking about the dynamics of a team. And sometimes as, as a team or as a team leader, you can, you can just look at your team members and look at the opponent and you can already tell that you're about to be <laughs> abolished. So you can, you can look at the North Pole, and you can say, man, these guys are going to defeat us. (laughs) Well, the truth is this. If you are of the world, if you do not believe in Jesus... If you are following the father of lies, if you are following the prince of darkness, you are on the losing team. You may be the loudest, you may be the most arrogant, but friend, you have no match for God and his power. When you look over at the prince of peace, when you look over at the king of kings, you will then realize that you are no match for him. He will break his enemies to pieces. And he will break no sweat. Consider Nahum chapter 2, verse 2. It says, The Lord is a jealous God. Friends, listen to this. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath from his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is a whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers, Bashan and Kamel wither. The bloom of Lebanon withers. The mountains quake before him, the hills melt, the earth heaves before him, the world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire and the rocks are broken into pieces by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him, but... With an overflowing flood, he will make a complete end of the adversaries and will pursue his enemies into darkness. This is no joke. This is no light matter. The wrath of God will be poured out on all the wicked. The wages of their sin will be paid in full because they've rejected Jesus Christ. But take courage. Those who have taken refuge in Jesus, those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, will on that day be preserved, for the Messiah has received the full wrath of God in their stead. The Lord, He is good. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble. So to close with some implications. What do your prayers reveal about your faith? If we had to listen or read the journal of your prayers, what will we find? Are you growing in your understanding of the person and the ways of God that it is heard through the way that you pray? Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying pray like the Pharisees, heaping up empty words. I'm not saying pray for show that others might think that you know the prophets and the apostles but I am saying are you praying with understanding and truth do you believe that God is indeed sovereign over life not just the big events like the potential war in Russia, but do you believe that God is sovereign over your life? Little old you, do you believe that God is sovereign over your life? Do you believe that the God who owns the pillars of the world owns you, O believer, and not just owns you, but cares about your every decision? He is concerned about you, and he is concerned about the way that you live your life. Do you believe this? Is it reflected in the truths that you pray? Friends, God intentionally works out the affairs of your life. He intentionally works out the affairs of the life of those who believe for good. Friends, our God really cares. He will give victory to all believers. He will give them victory over their foes in this age, but also in the age to come. He will give grace. He will give grace in abundance to all who believe. But do you believe that Jesus is the anointed king who is able to save? Let's pray. Who has held the ocean in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice, All creation rises to rejoice. Who has given counsel to the Lord? Who can question any of his words? Who can teach the one who knows all things? Who can fathom all his wondrous deeds? Behold our God, he is seated on that throne. Behold our King. Nothing can compare. Come, let us adore him. Help us, O gracious Lord, to indeed adore you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.